Thanks again for tuning in to another Gospel Rescue Mission video podcast. My name is Brian. I'm the Director of Resident Services for the Gospel Rescue Mission. And I am here once again with my good friend, Mr. Kevin Dar from U-Turn for Christ. Tell uh, our audience a little bit about yourself and U-Turn for Christ. Well, I'm the Executive Director of U-Turn for Christ and the Senior Pastor. So U-Turn for Christ is a ministry that um, serves those who are in bondage to uh, addiction, the drugs or alcohol, or just sin in general. And so what we offer is just a, a a biblically-based program where the people can come to our program for a minimum of two months and be set apart from really the world for a period of time to work on those things that uh, are keeping them from living the life that God would have them to live. So it's just a lot of biblical instruction. It's pretty simple. It's a, you know, instead of a 12-step program or whatever, what we offer is really a one-step program, and that's just to the foot of the cross. And, you know, the, the way I look at it, my personal philosophy is, is that it's, if you want to promote lasting change in your life, it's only going to be through Jesus Christ. Uh, and so that's kind of what we instill in the men and here pretty soon women uh, that come into our program is, you know, just trying to make disciples of Jesus. And when you become a disciple of Jesus, all those other things that you struggle with become a whole lot easier and you see them for what they are. So. That's good. And so um, part of one of the reasons we're gathering today to talk is um, you had alluded to it. That there's, some, there's some new things going on with U-Turn. First of all, how many guys in your men's program can you house and, and how many do you typically have? Well, we can house about 20 uh, okay. out at our, our ranch. We typically probably run about 12 or so would probably be the average. And, um, you and know, now you now you have this this women's facility of some sort. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. So we've recently acquired a piece of property that's going to be for the uh, it's going to be just like our men's program, but for women, you know, over the years. Uh, we we receive as many phone calls for women as we do for men. So, sure. you know, and we haven't been really had the opportunity or the resources to minister to women in the same way. And so what this next phase is, is we're uh, starting or it, hopefully in October is our our kind of our target date to actually have it open and functioning and, and accepting people into our women's facility. So it's here in Grants Pass too. So we're really excited. Uh, About how many can you hold? It'll probably hold closer to eight. It'll be a little smaller. And then we're also possibly looking at a property in Gold Hill, which might be, you know, something for family restoration. That's still a ways off. But, you know, the the goal for us is is to minister to the whole family. Because as you know, Brian, when you're dealing with addiction, it doesn't just a Uh, affect the addict it affects the whole family it affects friends it you know it's a it's kind of interesting the collateral damage that's done by you know uh, the addiction and so we're trying to become encompass more of that than just the addict because honestly ministering to the addict is the easy part right but you know you have family that's at home that's picking up the pieces who are you know uh, struggling with trust issues and uh, and you know the the history of addiction with their loved one well he's done this before you know he's gone to a program and things will be fine and then they're just waiting for the other shoe to fall once again and you know right back into this pattern so we're trying to uh you know bring to develop the program so that we can bring them into it so that they can be a part of the solution instead of always just being the one that the addict relies on to get them through you know uh, not using pieces. yeah right, right. yeah exactly i've get i've had more more times where um i'm working with a man or a woman um but usually with the men where you see that you see them get clean they're starting they're starting to get clean and the guy will like express confusion because he's like, 
my wife has gotten really angry, you know, because I, and, and she says, I don't understand. I'm actually doing the thing that she wanted me to do, which was stop drinking or stop using. Mm-hmm. Why is she getting angry? And, and I, I would say, well, have you ever tried it before? And she, he'd go, yeah, loads of times. And I said, well, she's angry because what she knows is, is that you're asking her to trust you again. And, and that's threatening because you have, every time she opens up her heart to you, every time she opens up her emotions to you, um, you, she, you, she lets you in and then you come in like a bull in the china cabinet and you just wreck everything in there because you fall back into your addictions again. So, so recognizing that trust is a long-term thing built over time and, uh, and, and that your addiction wasn't just about you quitting, stopping doing this thing. It, it really, you've done damage to your children, to your, to your spouse, maybe to your, you know, your, your parents or your in-laws and, and your extended family and work relationships as well. Well, and that's one of the hardest things for addicts to understand too, is they can't, uh, you know, they'll come to our program or your program and they'll get clean. They'll be excited about their sobriety and, and moving forward in life. And then when they go home, they're not received with that same kind of excitement because of the history and all the hurts and yeah. the wounds. And those don't just heal with becoming clean. Right. You know, as, as I always tell our guys, it takes time and consistency. Yep. That's, that's what people want to see. They don't want to see, yeah, okay, it's great you're leaving and you're excited and things are good and you're doing well. That's just really the tip of the iceberg. That right. has... You know, the, the real work begins when you start trying to uh, restore those bridges that you've burnt. And people are going to be, you know, they're going to be hesitant because you've done it before. Most of the time, and most of the people in addiction, it's a cycle. You know, right. they'll do well for a while, then they'll fall back. They'll do well for a while. It's this, it's this pattern that they never get out of. And so, you know, I don't use the term recovery with my guys because to me, recovery it means that you're trying to get back to a place that you were. Right. But what we want to do is we want to transform these guys so that they can go above and beyond that and break those cycles. Why would you want to go back to the starting point of where everything went bad? Right. Rise right. above it. And so, you know, as part of that process, it does, it's a long time process. You know, they an addict mind sometimes is just, well, um, Everything's better now. It's the here and now. You know, it's yeah. not, uh, you know, we call it the perishing mentality in the sense of when you're in your addiction, you don't think about consequences. You don't think about what it's, how it's going to affect anybody else. It's just, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because who knows if I'll even be here tomorrow, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. just, there's no thought of consequences, but when you become sober, and you start wanting to move on, well, all that collateral contact has, um, not contact, that collateral damage has to be dealt with if you're really ever going to have restoration. And that's where the difficulty comes in. That's where the hard times come in. That's where, you know, it's easy to get impatient. Well, you know, I've been clean for six months and my wife still doesn't trust me or, you know, she's still acting out. My kids are still behaving poorly. Well, it's, you know, it, it, uh, it takes a while to build that trust again. Once again, it's that time and consistency. My, my friend Bill Gallagher would say, um, he'd say, you know, uh, when somebody would say, hey, uh, my, my wife just keeps, uh, you know, keeps bringing up the past, you know, keeps bringing up all my past mistakes and everything. And, and he's, he keeps saying, well, well, for you, you know, you, you keep telling her it's in your past, but then you go over and you keep opening the door so that she can see the past. You know, you yeah. keep opening a door to it and inviting the past back into the present. And so you've got to stop that process, you know, of, of, of opening that door. If you're going to get it behind you, that means that it has to stay behind you. And that means that, you know... It's not just a, I'm the same old me plus not addicted. Exactly. It's, it's, I'm a new creation in Christ. There's something new that's going on, and, and we're starting new behaviors and building a new life together, doing things in this new way, because all those old things still, you know, harken back to the things that led to my addiction in the first place. Well, no, and that's exactly it. And, and actually, I, I taught on this last night. 
And, you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about putting off deceitful lust and your old behaviors. And, you know, that's, that's where it has to begin. You know, we can, uh, as you were um, quoting, you know, we, once we accept Jesus into our life, we can become a new creation in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell my guys, what I always preach to them is, look, the way this process, if you really want to be healed, both spiritually, physically, emotionally, is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, become a new creation in Christ, and then what happens over that time and consistency, um, you know, the world likes to label people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once an addict, always an addict. And, right. and right. Um, I tell my guys that is just complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, you come into the gospel rescue mission or you turn for Christ as an addict. You, the day you come in, let's say you quit drugs, okay, you become an ex-addict. That can be your last hit, your last drink, whatever the case may be. So you go from an addict, you transition to an ex-addict, then over time and consistency, you, that pull is no longer there and you become that new creation in Christ. That, But right. it's a continuum. You know, you don't just... I've seen very few people who, for instance, came in with a, a raging heroin addiction get instantly healed the day they yep. accept Christ. I've yep. seen it happen. Yeah. But those guys, I always have a bigger warning for because they don't understand, you know, the blessing that they were given by not having to go through the detox and rely on God moment by moment just to get through They're it. They're so busy telling everybody, well, it was easy. Just just do what I did. You know, just just trust, let go and let God, you know, kind of thing. And, and you're like... Yeah, but you need to understand that what happened to you was the exception and not the rule. Exactly. And what I've seen with most of those guys is they don't really appreciate their sobriety or what God did for them. And they may stay clean for a couple years or whatever, but eventually something they end up back there because they didn't appreciate what God did for them. Whereas the guy who has struggled you know, moment by moment just to get... Forget about getting through the day, just getting through that moment and relying on God. Once they get on the other side, they never want to go back to that. And they have a deeper understanding of how God walked them through it moment by moment. And so, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's tough. It is tough. But... What's better? Is it to go through a little pain here or, you know, to have that miraculous happen and and then end up back there? Because all those guys that ended up back at the beginning after being miraculously healed, the second time they've had to go through it, it was... They weren't instantly healed like before. They had to go through the moment by moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've I've known guys that, that, you know, were instantly healed and, and never went back. But but there is kind of a um, you know there is kind of a, just a and a lack of sensitivity yeah, to those who who aren't exactly. there and then and then and a lack of appreciation for the struggle in, in that sense um, and uh, and I, I just kind of go you know I, I think everybody's in a different spot in in how the, the brokenness that they come into and, and there's just you know. There's not a one-size-fits-all. What we generally know from your experience and mine is, though, is that it's it's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work, and and it and it does take consistent good choices over time. You know, and and, and if you're if you're making this work consistently over time, eventually what you'll end up with is exponential results. You'll exactly. find you'll find the results that are just like consistent bad choices over time, you'll get exponential results as well. They'll just be exponentially bad, you know, <laughs> exactly. and, and everything. Well, so um, so when you say like um, I mean we hear often the question of like, well What's your success rate, uh, or something like that? And and um, we're probably like you in, in this sense that we measure success probably a hundred different ways. You know, I mean, there is what we would call like you know we'd go a real ultimate success would be uh, somebody who uh, comes to faith in Christ during their time here, somebody who who uh, leaves, you know, whatever their, whatever their issue was. Not everybody in our program is, is, has drug and alcohol issues, um, probably half do, right. you know, whatever. But, um, 
but then uh, you know they come in, they they do well, they they eventually get into our work program, they find work, they eventually pay down you know any debts that they have or whatever, they get some savings built up, and then uh, they either you know uh, move back in with family or they or they you know pair up with a couple of guys and and say you know what hey let's go rent a place together or or uh, or maybe they luck up and get their own apartment you know or something right. along the way and uh, but either way and they, and they leave successfully they're they're back into the community they're they're working they're paying down debt they're they're doing those things that they need to do and they're doing it well that would be the you know the the what I'd consider the ultimate success and and in a year if I have if I have 400 if I have you know 400 residents that come through our program in a year I'll have a hundred of them that will leave that way right um, but but then there's like all these other little successes along the way that that I go man that was really successful you know as well um, maybe not you know not as successful as I'd like to see but still great you know I see somebody who maybe um, gets a, a couple of weeks worth of good nutrition and sleep and and uh, and you know and is sober for a couple of weeks you right. know I don't consider that a failure even if it is in the end that they they leave our program either in a good way or a bad way right I still go yeah but look what you gained you know you you, you gained in, in two weeks time they'll have gained some uh, they probably will have gotten their organ health plan about 80% of the guys that come in don't have it oddly right. enough and maybe uh, about 30% of the women that come through our program don't don't have it yet so they'll have gotten on Oregon Health Plan. They'll have gotten their food stamps and stuff like that. They'll be in better condition when they leave than when they came. And I'd go, that's a success. It's not an ultimate success, but I, in a sense, I kind of go, but their their story of their where they're at's not done yet. You know, they may circle back around and work it work it through. They may leave our program and. Go and join your program. Right. And, and so so how do you measure success? Well, no, and, and I agree with you. Um, we have the ultimate success where, you know, um, you see the guys go home and, and they become godly husbands, godly dads. And, and, you know, they're a blessing to their community, to their employer. That's what you want to see for everybody. But I see success more on a continuum. And you kind of hit on it. So... Almost everybody who comes in our program, we are not their first place that they've been to a deal to deal with their addiction. We're somewhere along a continuum of, you know, they've tried this secular program, they've done this, they've been whatever. And so on that continuum, you know, we're we're in there someplace as far as eventually you hope that it clicks. Yeah. But the way I measure success personally is I'll take somebody who's been involved in our program, let's say for a period of three years. And let's say when they first get here, they do well for a little bit, a couple of weeks, and then they stumble. Uh, and then they're out using for a couple of months. Then they sober up enough to come back. Well, they're back in the program for a while, and let's say they stumble again. But this time, they only stumble for a couple of weeks and realize it. Then... The next time, you know, it's a couple of days. The next time it's one drink. You know, it, it's like a continuum. And, yeah, yeah. and whereas they'll get discouraged because they keep stumbling, me, I'm encouraged because I can see, uh, you know, how they're recognizing the behavior sooner and they're taking the necessary steps to yeah. get clean, you know, or, or even like, like you mentioned also, you know, the guys might come through our program and do well for a while and then end up at the gospel rescue mission. I see that as a great success, you know, because uh, instead of just giving in to those negative behaviors and, and those uh, things that they're doing, they're still trying. They're still trying exactly. Yeah. And to me, that is that is success. Like you said, it's not the ultimate success, but a lot of times there isn't a clear path that you or I could sketch out for somebody to go. Okay, you do this. Um, and you continue with it until here, then you will be fine. There's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we, there's always and there's always the you know uh, look. Somebody asks you know, 
Well, yeah, they get jobs and they get a home, but how long can they actually keep it? And and at that point, you know, I can't really answer the question. Right. I can I can give you I can start counting up on my hands and toes how many people I know in the community that have come through our program and that are doing well and have been doing well for years. Right. But again, it's kind of like but the end of their book's not written either. I mean, you know, they could decide still to fail. They can exactly. they can they can make a bad choice somewhere in in, in there along the line. Um, I, I'm not promising any more than any program can promise, you know, a, a perfect outcome for the rest of their days. Right. Um, but, but what I do know is, is that in that continuum that you're talking about, that, that of all the care options that we have and, and all the other partner agencies that we work with and all the other different things that we do, um, we're now part of that, and, and so, you know, if they fail in some way, they know a safe place that they can go where there's somebody there that will counsel them and give them good counsel, that's somebody there that cares about them, and there's this door that's open because there are people in the community that, that make your program and my program available exactly. um, because they care to donate to us, because they care to, to, you know, to support our, our organizations. And to me, that's really important. Um, that, that's, a, that's a super, super neat thing. To me, Grants Pass is, is maybe it's something about its size, I don't know. Um, maybe it's it's just. I've always thought that Grants Pass. I lived around Southern Oregon all my life, pretty much, and uh, you know, I've I've been between between you know uh, Medford and Eugene uh, off and on, you know, throughout most of my life. And Grants Pass has always just been really, really unique um, community that really supports programs like yours and like mine, um, and. I, I've sensed in the last couple of years a a tendency to kind of almost an anti-religion kind of a, a tendency that seems to be growing. Now, I, I think that's odd in, you know, I've always kind of considered, you know, both Medford and Grants Pass kind of the Bible Belt of Oregon, right. you know, in, in a sense. Um, it's it's the more conservative end of Oregon. You probably add Klamath Falls to that area, you know, but but we're, we are kind of this conservative bastion in, in Southern Oregon. But there does seem to be uh, you know, a, a movement within our community that, that says, ah, religion bad, you know, and, and everything. They'll say, there's people that won't go to your program because you're religious and, and, and everything. So the question to the, to the community who maybe is like hesitant about a religious program, why does a community need a religious program like what we have? Well, I, I mean, historically, America's been filled and, you know, uh, part of what our Christian duty is, is good works. Right. And, you know, honestly, in our program, and I know in, in your program, although we are Christian, a Christian program, we minister to everybody regardless yep. of what their beliefs are. Yep. In fact, you know, those who we have a lot more compassion on those who don't have a Christian worldview, who doesn't have that moral compass, uh, you know, because they don't know any better. And, and so we take them, spend more time with them to try to, of course, get them to know Christ because that's the ultimate answer to whatever the question is. Right. It's, it's Christ. But at the same time, we don't discriminate. I don't care what you are when you come in the program. You know, that, that's what we do. We're all broken. You know, right. in Isaiah, when he saw the... Uh, when he was with the Lord, he said, I'm undone and I live amongst, you know, unrighteous people. And, you know, coming to the realization of who Christ is and realizing how undone we are as people, right. you know, um, it's one of those things that should motivate us to introduce Christ to people. But 
we can only do that. They don't care what we know until they know we care, as the True. old saying goes. And, and so, yes, I invite in. They'll call me and say, you know, well, I know you're a Christian program, um, but I'm an atheist. Can I come in? Yeah, please course, come in. Yeah. You know, but uh, at the same time, kind of like in your name, Gospel Rescue Mission or You Turn for Christ, we don't make any bones about who we are. Yeah. So they're not going to come in and what we got to read the Bible. Surprise, we're, like, yeah, we're Christians. No. You know, it's like well, yeah. it's in the name. You yeah. know. Type yeah. of thing. So, so for us, uh, you know, we are we're willing to take anybody in the yeah. in the community. We don't care. We're 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 trying to help. You know, and it's one of those things where I think as Christians we take a little different approach because our sufficiency isn't on the government or government programs or any of that. Our sufficiency is in Christ and in godly people investing in what we do. So we're not draining from society. Actually, what we're doing is just the opposite. We're putting, we're giving back to the community in right. ways that government programs can't, you know. And so for me, that's an important thing to understand and why we're important to the community and what we do. And it's not just the faith community. It's regardless of what your belief is. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I hear in a lot of discussions, um, people will like want to reduce, they want to reduce the homeless uh, issue to either uh, addiction or mental health problems. And, and I understand why they want to do that because those are certainly big issues among right. the homeless community. Um, but I think what, what they don't really recognize and that what we actually do and address is a, you know, I mean, you really almost specialize in addiction recovery right. in a lot of ways. I mean, and, and we certainly do a, a portion of that as well uh, with the Gospel Rescue Mission. But I think a lot of people don't realize how much actual mental health help ha comes from an organization like yours or, or mine where, you know, they're, they're around people who give them good counsel, who, who help them work through their anxieties and their depression and their, their, their traumas that they're, that they're struggling through and, and everything. In addition to that, um, you know, if somebody stays at a, at a gospel rescue mission, I mean, I actually will connect them with some of the local, uh, you know, ment mental health therapy providers and stuff like that and make sure that they're going to their counseling appointments and make sure that they're taking their medications if they have any on time and, and all these different things. So while we don't have these institutional um, mental health facilities in the world anymore that are all government run, largely because we saw that in the past and it was so abused and so poorly done that we dismantled all of them. So, so what happens in a, in a program like yours and mine is, is we are actually taking the time to get to know and love on and care for these people and give them some relational skills that help them um, to reintegrate with their family, with their society, with their culture at large. And we do it all at no cost to the taxpayer, exactly. not getting yanked out of their tax dollars and everything. So, I mean, golly, you know, you, you, you kind of go, man, uh, I mean, I know that we're a Christian organization, but we're doing this at no cost to you, you know. I mean, I'm, that's, that's pretty amazing. And we've been doing it for a long time, and we're not alone in this. I mean, we're gathering wisdom from gospel rescue missions all across the country and across the world. You, you're, you're doing the same with the U-Turn for Christ all across the country, all across the world, right. you know, and taking all this combined wisdom and pouring it into what you do here, um, that's a pretty that's a pretty amazing uh, uh, gift to a community. Yeah, absolutely, you know th that's that's fantastic to uh, to see. So, give me an idea. You know, there's let's say there's somebody here who's who's watching a video, watching this video, and, and going, you know, yeah, I, I hear what you guys are saying. I'm a little afraid. Um, I've heard a lot of bad things about your program, or, or you know, I know we get that about the Gospel Rescue Mission. People hear all these all these stories about the Gospel Rescue Mission that most of them are, aren't really grounded in reality, but um, but. It keeps them from from right. joining, you know, and I, and I know what, you know, they're going to say, oh, man, I've heard the U-turns really, really hard and I'm afraid and, and everything. Maybe speak to that person that's, that's you know, what would you say to somebody like that who, who needs, knows they need help, but but is afraid to join, you know, or walk in? 
Well, and, and it's understandable because, you know, to change, uh, it's difficult. And it's a lot of times the fear of the unknown is very real. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. And if all you've heard is these stories and they might be negative. And let's be honest, those who speak the loudest are the ones that have issue with what we do. And those that have issue with what we do are usually the ones that um, refuse to comply with the rules or, or weren't, you know... Uh, Don't really understand what your reasoning and your purposes on all this stuff are. Right. So, you, you know, the first thing I would say is do your research. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. um, most of what we do because of being nonprofit corporations, it's out there for public disclosure, as yep. it should be. Yep. And so, you know, do your research. And the other thing is, is, you know... Um, you know what you're doing already is unsuccessful, right? For, for that person who's struggling and looking for a program, they already know they're caught in that cycle of, of dependency and you do well for a while, fall down, do yeah. well for... And, you know, when you finally reach that place where you're tired of that constant up and down, uh, you know, to break out of that is going to require some radical change. If you yeah. want radical change in your life, you're going to have to change radically, you know. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, do your research, take the opportunity to really uh, understand what we do at yeah. U-Turn and at the Gospel Rescue Mission. And talk, come talk to some of the residents, you know, that's yeah. what... There's people um, that have come through our program that are, you know, have done well that I'll pass on, you know, have given me permission to pass on their phone number from yeah. somebody who, you know, I have an ex-heroin addict that talks to, will speak to heroin addicts, you know, it's like, okay, here's what I struggled. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not, yeah. but the end result is good and you're going to go through this, I know, because I've gone through it. So a lot of that... Instead of me as the administrator saying, you know, this will be great You're for you. you to say good things. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I would rather, uh, you know, connect them with somebody that can say, man, I was there, but now I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, this program, the Gospel Rescue Mission, U-Turn for Christ can help you get there. But it's it's not going to be easy. It's going to, you're going to struggle. And so... To me, that's one of the most powerful ways of helping someone to be convinced of if our program, for instance, is the right fit for them, yeah. is to talk to people who's been through it, who are successful. Don't just listen to the naysayers because they want to keep you where you're at. Yeah. They couldn't make it. They don't want you to make it. It's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. So talk to, you know, don't talk to me as the administrator. I This is my life work. So, of course, um, you know, I, I'm going to speak positively about at it, the same know? time don't sit outside in one of the homeless camps um by the park or something and and talk to all the people who are failing about about why you shouldn't go in there either because they're by the definition they're not they don't they're not succeeding either you know <laughs> yeah. so so you know it's funny I, I i get a lot of you know when i get kickback on our Facebook page or on our, on our, um, you know, wherever, one of our social media sites, I, I tend to, I'll tend to go, uh, you know, I just invite them, you know, I go, Hey, I'll tell you what, why don't you come? I will, I will bring you in. I'll give you a tour. And then along the way, you just pick out in your mind, you know, who do you want to talk to or whatever? And you tell me, I'm going to talk to this guy, this guy, and this guy, or this girl, this girl, or whatever. I will let you talk to them. I'll walk away. You go yeah. do your thing. You know, I'll buy you guys lunch if you want. It doesn't even have to be here. I'll buy you lunch here any day. But, <laughs> but you know, if you guys want to go have lunch somewhere or whatever and talk about, you know, what's the stay like in the mission, you know, that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hook it up. And, um, but, but you know, and, and it's amazing how resistant, and you can always kind of tell, you know, when, when what's their agenda when, when they'll just go, nope, nope. You know, no, you can't tell me, you can't prove it, blah, 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 you know, you, and it's like, well, then if there's nothing I can do, then there's nothing I can do, you know. Right. But in the end, you know as well as I do that uh, for somebody who is curious, who's maybe a little skeptical, heard some, some rough stuff, if they just come in and talk to some of the people who are actually in the program, just talk to them. Say, tell me what's hard. Tell me what's, tell me what's going on. Should I come in? Should I not come in? Uh, 
talk to them, you know, yeah. um, and, and they'll usually find the right answer along those ways. Well, and that's life in general. You know, before you make any kind of big decision, you should be doing those kind of things. Yeah. And I agree with you, and I've done that in the past is, you know, well, talk to these guys. I'll walk away. You know, they're yeah. going through it. You know, get get the reality of what day-to-day -day at U-Turn for Christ is going to look like. Yeah. And the other piece about it, too, is to break that cycle that we've talked about or mentioned is you need new behaviors, right? Yeah. And so one of them is, um, I know when I went to work for the government, for instance, the first thing I did was look for and point out, uh, find people who were successful at yeah. what I did yeah. in a similar position. And it was those ones I wanted to talk. I didn't want to talk to the guy who was struggling to perform his job right. or, or the guy who was just there riding out the clock until he retired. No, I wanted to see the ones that were producing, the ones that were being successful, because those are the ones I wanted information from. So, sure. so you're right. Um, why would you want to take advice from somebody who's not prospering in life or anymore at anything yeah, yeah. Um, why you know because obviously there are you know some of the most opinionated people are the people who do things bad you know I, I don't know how much parental um, tips I've received over the years from people who have bad kids who yeah. you know are bad parents you right. know it's just like yeah it's like it's like asking the same same group of people you know hey um, should I get a job? Yeah. And if they're all sitting out there in the park, you know, smoking dope and and uh, and you know, living in their free tents or whatever, you know, and and they're gonna go, nah, you know, hey, I tried it, I had a job, I had a job once, and let me tell you, it was really bad. And you know, oh, okay, man, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I heard a lot of bad things about work. You know, maybe <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that and exactly. everything. So the, there's just some common sense in in that whole thing. Um, can you think of like, I mean, is there any, anybody that's like just recently stood out in your mind as far as a, a resident or two that, that have come through your program that, that you're just going, hey, this person came in this way and left this way that's a story worth sharing? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I've been doing this a long time, and, and there's kind of two facts that um, kind of stand out to me. One is addiction doesn't discriminate you know i've i've had guys from the upper echelons of society ceos um, professional athletes to homeless right mm -hmm. kind of both ends of the social economical um uh, you know, spectrum there of our society, and addiction affects them the same way sure. right and, and the other fact is is that christ doesn't discriminate either and you know in he loves the CEO as much as he loves the homeless guy. And so what I found over the years is, you know, those stories uh, that have come uh, across or through U-Turn are kind of the same way and are looking for a lot of the same, same thing. Recently, we have a, in fact, we have a guy who's in our program now who uh, grew up in, in Southern California uh, was a gang member, spent 15 straight years in prison, and then struggled. Well, in fact, he got a life sentence without parole. He was uh, done. I mean, he, he had come to the conclusion, this is life. I'll, I'll be in prison the rest of my life for gang activity, whatever. And in 2014, California changed its sentencing laws, and it gave him an opportunity to be paroled. So he went from this in, I think it was like 06, of receiving a life sentence without parole, ends up getting paroled in like 2018. So he spent a large chunk, and he's a young dude, so he kind of grew up in an institution, very institutionalized. All he knew was gangs prior to to prison than the prison life afterwards. So when he gets out in like 2019 or 18, whatever it was, the only way he knew how to cope with anything in life was his old behaviors. Sure. And so he ended up back on drugs. He ended up back kind of living that lifestyle. And he knew um, and had kind of resolved to the fact that he was either going to die or end up back in prison. Mm -hmm. That was his only hope. Well, along the way, he comes to 
uh, know Christ. He accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he realizes that he could have a future and a hope. He ends up in our program, and he struggled at first because of the institutional mentality and and the paranoia from being in prison and all that, and always looking over his shoulder, well, what's this guy trying to do? And and the, the funny thing about this particular guy is he came from Southern California. Well, the guy who referred him uh, and was kind of his mentor at this church in San Diego, um, I've known that guy just randomly since he was a kid, um, my nephews played football with him. We grew up, they grew up together. He was always at our house. And he goes, yeah, this guy named Mike who had said he went through U-turn, blah, blah, blah. And I asked him his last name. And I go, I know him. And here's and described him. And he was blown away. But he almost got paranoid about it. Like, you know, there's a conspiracy here, you know, it, it, the old prison thinking. But then he started seeing God's divine, you know, kind of, steps that he had done and as he started going through the program and as God started really changing him and uh, you know as God started showing him how his responses to stimuli you know that he had to kind of put off that old man those old behaviors and that there was another way and that there was a future and a hope and that he could uh, get beyond this and that he wasn't destined for prison or death um, just seeing the 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 light, uh, you know, kind of click and 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 see a whole change in his personality from this angry, you know, kind of um, uh, you know uh, you know violent guy to this guy who's just you know who's seeking the Lord. He's still got a long ways to go, but just seeing that transformation of all I've known my thirty some years was this. And now there's this, you know, being shown that there's something different out there and there is this hope. It's an, you know, it's incredible, the change. And this is one of those guys that society had given up on. You know, society says, you've done stuff that was so bad for so long, so many times that we're locking you up and throwing away the key. But because right. of God's providence, he was given another chance. He came to us and he's seeing you know, that, wow, you know, I can really uh, have a life. I can make a difference. I can reconnect with my son and my parents. And I wish that, I wish that it wasn't part of the um, Barack Obama campaign because it totally wrecked the idea. <laughs> but the idea, if you, ask, if you ask, you know, what is the need for a person who's coming off the streets, whether they're coming out of prison or they're coming out of an addiction, or they're coming out of a financial crisis, or they're coming out of a bad relationship. What they need is two things, hope and change. Absolutely. And if, and if you realize, if, if you can offer hope and then actual change, you'll transform the world, boy, and, and you'll, transfer, you'll transform their world. Absolutely, and you can see that because you know, you can, you can manufacture hope. If you're good enough at selling it, you can manufacture hope. And politicians do it all the time, sure, right? Sure. Yeah. But then when they can actually see that hope translated into change, that's when it really, you know, you see the snowball of, okay, yeah. this is possible. And, and, you know, that genuine hope starts coming in. And as the change comes, then, you yeah. know, it can start growing exponentially, you know, kind of like that snowball. Once it starts rolling downhill, you know, it, it, it becomes... Really picks up its own inertia yeah. and big. And, well, and, and, and here's the other thing is that we talk about, from a Christian perspective, when we talk about change, we're not just talking about random change because not all change is good exactly you know um, not all change I mean you, you go from you go from a non-addict to an addict change happened but it wasn't good you know <laughs> exactly. and everything um, and and so but we're talking about change and not just change but in a predictable direction I mean here's the thing that Christians do for the community we're told to love our neighbors as ourselves right. we're told that that's part of the way that we worship God now 
whether or not you're a Christian, you want a neighbor that thinks like that. You exactly. would benefit to have a neighbor that thinks like that because then you have, well, maybe there's, you know, oh man, my lawn's gotten out of control and I've been sick and laid up because I broke my leg, but your Christian neighbor comes over and mows your lawn for you one day. What kind of neighbor does that? How crazy is that? Well, these people are they they have seen change in their lives in a way where their their transformation is to be the Jesus that everybody really wants you know right. and not not uh, not the Christian that everybody necessarily thinks they want but but the but the ultimately they'll say well you need to be you know what would Jesus do? I've heard non-Christians yell that at Christians as much as anything, you know, and, and this is what you really want. You want that Christ influence in their life, you know, and somebody who doesn't lie, cheat and steal, somebody who, who cares for, you know, people who are poor and afflicted, and that's exactly how you got here and I got here. Uh, absolutely, and, and see, and that's the thing too, though, is what people don't understand, and I wish those who are not part of, let's say, the Christian community understand that part of loving these people is also loving them enough uh, to put structure in place and to put rules in place to help them become, to be transformed, you know. So both of our organizations don't allow smoking. Both of our organizations require a certain level of of uh, you know action, a certain level of behaviors uh, that go beyond what maybe a, a non-Christian program would require of sure, them. Sure, sure. And so, but to me, we do it not because it's easier that way. It's harder to enforce this yeah. kind of stuff. But we wouldn't truly be loving them in the way that Christ would want us to love them if we allowed them to you know continue on with these behaviors because. Yeah. Take smoking, for instance. Of course, health-wise, it's bad. Right. But beyond that, you're dealing with somebody who's homeless or an addict or whatever. Almost 100% of the people that we get into our program, uh, when they were actively using, smoked. So why would we want them allow, to bring, allow them to bring one of those behaviors with them? Tied that, to the, the thing. Exactly. That you got yeah, so you know, for us, whereas I know we both receive flack for our roles and the accountability and stuff, yeah. but that's the very reason, one of the ways that we show them that we love them. It's right. like, hey, we love you too much to allow you to continue in these behaviors. And I believe. And here's the hope component. I believe you're capable. Of exactly. It. I, I, you know, I don't believe, I'm not the person that says, I don't think you can do it. I'm the one who says, I've seen so many people do it. I think even you can do it. And you're going to have to prove me wrong. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you know, and, exactly. and that's the kind of the way I look at it, too. So, so here we are, you know, and let's now let's speak to how can somebody support a U-turn for Christ? I mean, you guys do a tremendous amount of work that's really good in, in the community here in Grants Pass. You are a blessing to every, everybody. I know more people that have gotten yard work done because of your guys and, and mechanic work done because of your guys and, and just help moving and, and all kinds of, I mean, these guys are a true blessing to people in our community. Um, what if somebody wants to bless you? How can they, how can they do that? <laughs> well, they can contact me either um, you know, through our website or whatever. You know, of course, we are a 501c3, so any donations that anyone uh, wants, they can, uh, they're all tax deductible, sure, sure, sure. So, which is always helpful. Uh, of course, we can always use all the prayer support and volunteers that um, we can get. You know, it's one of those things where, um, as you know, one of the things that I most dislike about the job that I do uh, in U-Turn is dealing with um, the constant trying to raise the funds and to, sure. you know, and, and the resources to do what it is we need to do. Yeah. But that being said, you know, um, check our program out. You know, if it's something that you believe in, then get a hold of me. We can talk about, you know, yeah. different things that are needed. We also have a thrift store. There's, you know, that takes donations of goods. So, yeah. you know, there, there's many ways in your right. One of the things about 
you know, all the, the work that we kind of do in the program, it's built into it for a, a couple of simple reasons. One, we want to, part of addiction or that lifestyle, it becomes such a selfish pursuit yeah. uh, that all you think about is me, 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 myself, my flesh. Yep. How can I satisfy it? So what we try to teach these guys to do is esteem others above themselves, be a yeah. blessing to the community, be a blessing to their families, to you know people who couldn't otherwise do it. We build ramps so elderly people can stay in their homes, things like that to, to give back to the community yeah. because you know the guys we deal with have taken so much you know yeah. from that me, me, me. So part of it is one, it's a blessing for us in the sense that it does uh, help us to raise donations and awareness of what we do but also it's a blessing for the guys because they can see uh you know the 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 excitement and the blessing of actually giving of yourself and the give yeah exactly instead of destruction it's like wow i built something you know i was able to help somebody so that is that is so cool man That, that is that's a thing that uh you know that everybody should want to get behind, you know, in a world right now that is that is really, you know, I mean, overly looking for um, the government to save them and fix them and stuff like that. Your program, our program, here's two two great examples of uh, of organizations that are doing amazing work. We have a long history of doing amazing work, a lot of changed lives, um, and we did it without. Government dollars, without without the gov- with the help of the government. In fact, sometimes we're doing it in in ways that the government would never do, you know, on on their own, yeah. and 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 would would be would say don't do or whatever. And and yet we're doing it, and we're finding it to be effective and positive. And and so, um, I, and I've always kind of just been, you know, rather than tearing down somebody else's program or some what somebody else is doing, let's just build it right ourselves, and then tell everybody about it. Yeah, and, exactly. and and I love what you do. We share a lot of the same people, you know. Um, people come through our program, and then eventually say, what I really needed was a part of your program or vice versa and um and we just really see you guys as as great partners with us um so again if you can support if you're watching this right now and you can support uh u-turn for christ i would just encourage you there'll be uh we'll probably have some links down below or something to, to how you can contact uh kevin and how you can minister to to them um maybe you know somebody who could really benefit from uh, a stay in a program like what u-turn offers or like the gospel rescue mission again feel free to contact us uh in in all of that Kevin, I really appreciate your time, man. As always, and uh, you're one of those guys. I, I think it's like you're the you're the best friend that I've that I've had for years and didn't even know it. Right, you know, yeah. all this time. I mean, you're one of these guys that we can just talk forever. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Um, you can find out more about us, grantspassmission.org. Uh, check out our Facebook page. Like and subscribe to this YouTube channel. Um, and, uh, and just get the word out on there. Of course, you can always donate to us, uh, grantspassmission.org forward slash donate. And uh, with all that said, God bless you. I hope that we've been a blessing to you. And uh, we hope to see you again on our next video.